So John chapter 9, this is a story about how Jesus heals a blind man. And that's, that's sort of what we're looking at today, how, how Jesus heals us and how we all have certain blindness in our life. I'm going to read through it. It's a pretty long chapter, but then after that, we're going to dive into it. So let's get started. Chapter 9, verse 1. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? And he said, I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees asked him again how he received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? And he said, He's a prophet. The Jews did not believe that the man had been blind and had received a sight, until they called the parents of the man who had received a sight, and asked him, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So, for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have already told you, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, 
You were born in utter sin, and you would teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, And who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and he is, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those that see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Now, a lot is going on in this chapter, and I just read for a long time. <laughs> but what we're going to do today is we're going to look into a little deeper into what's happening here through the eyes of the blind man. We're going to see how he received this gift of sight. And then later on, I'm going to ask you three questions that I want you to ask yourself. But first, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this text. We thank you for who you are. We really do thank you that you're a good father that has done so much for us, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would help me to be able to to read your word and explain your word, God. Help us all to open our eyes to see you, to see the things that are in our life that are causing us not to see you clearly. We want to see you, God, and and we want to know what it is that you have for us, Lord. So I pray that you would help us through this text today. In your name we pray, amen. Now, let's start with the verse (laughs) 1. A lot of times we can just read through the passage so large and we just completely miss something that's staring right at us. And that is that Jesus sees the man. Now, that might be very um, obvious. And you might wonder, why would I point that out? But it says in verse 1, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And you know, the disciples also saw that man, but they saw him differently than how Jesus saw him. When Jesus sees him, he actually sees his soul. He sees a man in need. When the disciples saw the man, they saw a man who was blind. They saw a man that was a beggar. They saw a man that was probably dirty and who always asked for change. It's like they were seeing, but they were not perceiving what was actually going on there. And whenever Jesus actually sees him and approaches him, it completely changes the story. You see, the disciples just wanted somebody to blame. They were wanting to know, okay, this guy is blind. We want to know why. Because we see injustice in the world, and and we want God to answer for it, right? Right? We want to know, you know, this guy, he was born blind. Everybody knew him as the blind beggar. He was probably well known, but nobody actually knew who he was. They just knew him as the guy that always asked for change. They saw a man that was hopeless, but they didn't offer hope. But Jesus, Jesus changes that. And, and I think that as Christians, sometimes we can say that we're following Jesus and we're, we're trying to follow everything that he instructs us to do, but we can follow Jesus and still not see what Jesus sees. Jesus saw 
the desperation. He saw a man that was hopeless. And Jesus was also able to see through the religious red tape. This was the Sabbath. It was illegal to heal this man, to do any kind of labor, any kind of work during that time. But Jesus saw through the red tape. He saw through the intrigue of the disciples of wanting to know who to blame. And he just saw a man in need. And I really love this passage because it shows a compassionate God. It shows a God that, that does care about us, that does see us. That it shows that God is willing to stop and touch us, stop and heal us. You know, Jesus, he had a plan from the beginning of time to come into this world and to die a sacrificial death for us. Did he really have time to stop and heal this man? Did he really have time to go out of his way to just show love and compassion? He did. So Jesus did something that was so unexpected. He, he saw the man. He saw the man in need. If, if he would have never seen him, then he could have never healed him. Do you notice that? If Jesus wouldn't have taken the time to see a man in need, then he would have never taken the time to heal him. And as we go through the story, you notice that Jesus does indeed heal him. But then he kind of steps away from the story, and we just focus on the blind man and the Pharisees. And, and we don't hear anything from Jesus again until after the man is kicked out of the temple and if you could imagine what the man was feeling, I mean, he had just received his sight. He'd gone his whole life without knowing what a sunset looked like. He'd gone his whole life without knowing the beauty of a waterfall or just a blade of grass. And he received this incredible gift. And then he goes and he's taken in front of these religious leaders. And instead of a party, instead of a celebration, they start accusing him and throw him out of the church. And then his own family, his mom and dad, distance themselves from him. They don't want to celebrate with him. I'm sure that he felt more alone now than ever. He probably felt like he was completely abandoned. He had his sight, but he had nobody to rejoice with. <laughs> and that, it's in that greatest need that the once blind man, that he didn't know who touched his eyes. He just knew that a guy named Jesus did something to me. And the results of that something must mean that he was sent by God. Notice how Jesus approaches the man in verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? And he answered, who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus went and he found him. And I think it's so important that we realize that Jesus went and found him where he was. And notice the man's response. First, it's, sir. <laughs> He's showing him a sign of respect. But then second, it's Lord. And Lord is a sign of surrender. Lord is a sign of, 
I want to give my life to you. You know, I am going to obey whatever it is that you tell me to do. We'll check in on that in just a moment more. So the second point that I want to make is that Jesus used unconventional methods. He used unconventional methods, and this has got to be one of the weirdest miracles that Jesus does. <laughs> I mean, if you can imagine being this blind man, and you, you hear somebody's coming up to you, and you don't really know what's going on, and then you hear somebody getting ready to spit in the dirt. <laughs> it's very odd. And it's, it's odd that dirt and spit would produce a miracle. And I always wondered, well, why, God, would you do that? <laughs> Was it to humiliate the man? Was it to um, show that, you know, spit wasn't dirty? Why did you do this, God? And, and I love the way that Spurgeon, a famous theologian, puts it. And so I want to read it. He says, suppose instead thereof he had put his hand into his pocket and had taken out a gold or ivory box. And out of this box he had taken a little crystal bottle. Suppose he had taken out the stopper and that he had poured a drop in each of those blind eyes and they would have been opened. What would have been the result? Everybody would have said, what a wonderful medicine. I wonder what it was. How was it compounded? Who wrote the prescription? Perhaps he found the charm in the writings of Solomon, and so he learned to distill the matchless drops. Thus, you see, the attention would have been fixed on the means used, and the cure would have been ascribed to the medicine rather than to God. Our Savior used no such rare oils or choice spirits, but simply spat and made clay of the spittle. For he knew that nobody would say, the spittle did it. Or it was the clay that did it. No, if our Lord seems to be eccentric in the choice of means, yet he is eminently prudent. You know, that must have really baffled the Pharisees. <laughs> because uh, Jesus was technically breaking three laws there that they had for themselves. One being to mix the mud. Two being to anoint somebody's eyes. And three to heal <laughs> But what I find most striking is that Jesus used the simple to show that he was the source of the miracle. He didn't want any of the credit to go to the process. He wanted the credit to be only on the glory of God. It was the Son of God working for God's glory. However, that's not the only unconventional instrument that God used that day. Jesus spit in the mud to heal that man's eyes, to heal his blindness. But you know what? He also used that man to try to treat the spiritually blind. But much like a prescribed medicine that a doctor gives you and you take it home and you never use it, it won't help you. <laughs> that blind man had an experience with Jesus. And through that experience, he began to tell others that he didn't know everything, but he knew that this man must have been from God. But the Pharisees did not want to listen to him. They couldn't listen to him. The spiritually proud, they, they refused to receive healing truth from a man because he was once termed a beggar. In verse 34, it says, You were born in utter sin. Would you teach us? Notice that 
proudness that they speak in. The third thing I want to look at is who is Jesus? Now, this chapter is full of interrogation. It's full of a bunch of questions. And questions are important, but only if we're asking the right questions. So I've written down all the questions in the chapter, and I'm just going to go through them quickly. Rabbi, who sinned? Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Then how were your eyes opened? Where is the man that opened your eyes? The Pharisees asked him again how his eyes were opened. How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? What do you say about him since he opened your eyes? Is this your son? How does he now see? Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Or it's more like saying, own up before God. Stop lying. What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to be his disciples? You were born in utter sin, and you would teach us? The last three, I feel, are the most important. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? And are we also blind? Now, out of those, that whole list of questions, really the last three, I think, are the most telling. And even though one of those was probably asked sarcastically by the Pharisees, from a humbled heart, it gives sight to those who ask it. Now, you might have already drawn some parallels. Maybe you've, you've seen where we can apply this to our life, but let me get into where I want to ask you three questions. And the first question is, can God see me? You might feel like that blind man. You might feel like Everybody keeps passing you by. You might feel like you're always in turmoil. You're always in distress. Or maybe you're just going through a really bad moment. And you feel like everybody's turned against you. And nobody's listening to you. Nobody wants to be around you. But my inability to see God does not prohibit God from seeing me. And I am so thankful for that. Because there have been times in my life where I've just said, God, I don't know where you are. I don't feel like you're with me. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't see me. Just because I can't see God doesn't mean that he can't see me. You're not seen but unseen. You're not unloved. You're not forgotten. You play a part of something much bigger than just your story And for us to actually understand that, we need to have an encounter with God. If you don't have an encounter with God, then it's just going to be stories. It's just going to be ideas. It's just going to be, you know, good principles to add to our life. And, you know, many of us are in a position where we say that we respect God and we see that he is a powerful God, and and we don't deny his existence. And it's just like that man. He realized that Jesus was sent by God because only a man sent by God could open his eyes. And so he calls him, sir. But I want to ask you, have you called him Lord? Have you said to him, who are you, Jesus, so I can believe in you? Because unless we ask that question, I really don't think that this is going to make sense to us. (laughs) Until we understand that God sees me and he cares for me and he wants me 
to spend time with him, to encounter him, the next part's not going to really make any sense. So number one, can God see me? Number two, can God use me? Now, after this story, it seems kind of like a silly question. Can God use me? Well, he used spit and he used mud to open the eyes of a blind man. He can use you. And, you know, I think it's, it's so much powerful that just to see that, that God is, is not tied down to only using those that are superiorly educated or those that, you know, have read the entire Bible, those that are only financially stable, <laughs> that God can use anybody that's willing to be used. What I find so amazing is that that blind man became a missionary that went and started telling others about Jesus. He didn't understand who Jesus was completely. He thought he must have been just a, a great man sent by God. But that didn't stop him from speaking and speaking out of boldness. I mean, he must have understood, everybody else understood, that if you were to say that Jesus was God, then you got kicked out of the temple. But that didn't stop him from speaking truth. You know, the, the Pharisees, I, I see them as they were clinging to this law. They were clinging to this, this law kind of like an anchor, you know, that is what anchored their faith, and that is what they knew, you know, held them in God's will. But it's like they were trying to swim in the ocean with an anchor, and Jesus was throwing them a life raft, and they said, no thanks, don't want the life raft, I'm going to keep treading water with my anchor. What are we holding on to that is our anchor? That we would rather cling on to instead of Jesus simply saying, take it. Take my salvation. Take what I want to do for you. Take what I've already done for you. Just reach out your hand and, and, and grab onto it. We need to understand that it's not about who we are. That's all about who he is. You know, we need to understand that we are nothing without God. And that even with him, we're like mud. <laughs> and that might sound very pessimistic or very belittling, but understand that mud in the hands of a creator opens the eyes of a world born blind. And we can be so powerful because we have our creator with us. We can be so, we can change the lives of those around us because we are being used by Jesus himself. Well, my last question that I have for you guys is, who is God? Who do you say he is? That's the biggest question that we can ask ourselves today. Because how we see God determines how we see ourselves and how we see the world around us. Our perspective on who God is tells us how we should value our, ourselves and how we should value other people, people that are hurting, people that are around us asking what to do. But you know, if God is to you is nothing more than, than a spiritual genie that every now and then grants some blessings or some prayers, and 
He helps you find your car keys or he helps your team score a touchdown, then you're probably not going to go out of your way to do something for him. You're probably not going to stand up in an uncomfortable situation knowing the consequences of what's about to happen and remain true to him. But if God is the only one that saw you in your deepest, darkest time, if he's the only one that, you know, reached out to you when you were struggling for breath, if he's the only one that found you when everybody else abandoned you, and if he's the one that gave you sight, gave you life, then wouldn't it be obvious that we should share this with other people? You know, we, we need to open our eyes like that blind man did. And he, he saw Jesus, and yet he didn't quite grasp who Jesus was at the beginning. He, he couldn't until he had that face-to-face encounter. But once he had that face-to-face encounter, I wish we knew the story later of the blind man. I wish we knew what he went on to do. But my question to you is, who do you say God is? I want to end with, a, with just a, a brief passage in Matthew 16. It's a very well-known passage of, of Peter confessing that Jesus is Lord. And I'm going to read it right here in the ESV. In Matthew 16, verse 13 says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to him, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Our answer to God, whenever he asks us, who do you say I am, completely determines the rest of our life. It will determine whether or not we see church as just a Christian duty <laughs> or something that can actually make a difference in this world. The bride of Christ that, that wants to share this love and grace. It's a body of believers that we get to be a part of. If we see God as, as our Savior and if we see God as, as the only one that reached out to us, then we would want to share that with other people. Serving in the church or in kids' ministry or, or giving of tithes and offerings, it, it's no longer a sacrifice because we understand that we're receiving something so much better just by being a part of what God is doing here. So my prayer for you guys is, and for me and for this church is that we would open our eyes so that we could better see what God is doing around us, so that we could see the world around us, that we would be these vessels carrying this precious message of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you because you are so good to us. You've never abandoned us. You have never left us, Lord. 
there are times in life when we feel like we're alone. We feel confused. We feel like we don't know where to turn. Or maybe we feel like, you know, we're getting by alone without you. But God, I pray that you would first open up our eyes to see just how needy we are of you. That we can't do this without you, God. I pray that there would be no pride in our confession before you. That we would simply ask you just to show your face to us. I pray for each person that's here today. I pray that there would be nothing that would obscure what you're working in their life. And that this would just be an encounter with you where we could say, Oh, Lord Jesus, you are Lord, and I surrender my life to you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.